0: While you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now tune in, get ready, and enjoy the journey of emerging as a leader of exception in the 21st century.
1: Welcome everyone to the Find Your Leadership Confidence podcast. I'm your host, Vicki Nethling, coming to you from Roswell, Georgia. The goal of our podcast is to get topics and guests that will grow you as a confident leader and take your business or your life to the next level. Today, I'm very pleased to have Tony Hardman as my guest. Let me tell you about Tony. Tony Hardman is the founder of Not Quite Zen, a blog and podcast focused on providing mental health support from a perspective of the survivor. Tony has struggled with severe depression anxiety and anger since he was a child, cursed with a family history of mental health issues and childhood trauma, finding a path to calm was a journey 35 years in the making. Now he shares his experience through Not Quite Zen in hopes that he can help others learn how to get better faster. Our title for our podcast today is How to Conquer Your Anxiety and Lead a Productive Life. Please join me in welcoming Tony Hardman. Hi, Tony.
2: Hi. Thank you so much for that warm intro. I appreciate it. And I'm so happy to be here and excited to uh, talk about confidence and leadership and how to conquer things. That sounds great.
1: And I always start out with an easy question for you. Tell our audience, where do you call home? Where do you live?
2: So I live, most people would know it as Cleveland, Ohio, uh, but it's actually like a suburb outside of Cleveland. Uh, But yeah, I'm a Midwesterner and I've been here for a good chunk of my life.
1: Yes, I think you played my, your team played my team last night,
2: Are you a Steelers fan? Yes, sir. Uh, Okay. That's quite a a rivalry we got going there. But yes, it is. They've rested us for a long time. Yeah,
1: you beat us last night. My best
2: friend is is from Pittsburgh. So, you know, there's a lot of love going around. Yes, for sure.
1: (laughs) So tell me about your struggle with mental health.
2: Yeah, it's a bit of a long story. Um, I'll try to summarize it as best I can. I think it's important to preface the fact that um, I think there's two key factors that I wouldn't understand until later on in life. And number one, though, I still have some contact with my biological father, you know, he kind of, you know, he wasn't around. I was six months old when he left my mom um, and I didn't see him a lot growing up. He wasn't Mm -hmm. a big part of my life. So there was some, you know, trauma with that and some abandonment issues. Um, And also like there's a family history of mental illness in my family. And for the most part, I was, you know, from my memory, a pretty, for the most part, happy go lucky kid. Like I had a mm-hmm. pretty normal childhood. I had an adoptive father. Um, you know, he, he adopted me. My stepfather adopted me. I took his last name, um, you know, and he raised me and, you know, my mom was in a loving relationship with him for a long time. Um, but one of the problems was we moved around a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was hard always being the new kid in school, but- Around the time of fourth grade, I was living in Colorado and having a great school year. I had a lot of friends. I was really happy. And then we moved here to Ohio, and you know this was back in 1994. So mm-hmm. you know times were very different then. You know it's, it fair. wasn't. It's not a global economy like it is now. You know we didn't have the internet the way that we have it now. So trends and stuff were different. So coming from Colorado. I was from a very urban environment coming into a very, you know, like predominantly white environment and just different culture, different things. And I was a new kid and it didn't go well. And I entered into a severe depression and it was coming home from school, like crying every day. like wow. I was, I was miserable. And I remember it was probably around that time, or I think maybe around middle school, I said to my mom, like, you know, I really, I need to go to therapy. Like I need to see somebody and talk to somebody and she took me to one appointment. Um, I found it very helpful, but there's always been a stigma with, with mental health. There's still a stigma with mental health, but Mm -hmm. it was, you know, imagine it today times 10 back then, uh, you know, a coworker had said to her, you know, Oh, he doesn't need therapy. Just take him to do something fun once a month. And my mom bought into that and I never got to go back. I never got the help I needed. Such a shame. Yeah. So it wasn't that I never had friends. It wasn't that I never had a fun time and that I was always sad, but that, that, numbness, that sadness kind of always stuck with me. And so as I got a little bit older and, and entered like high, early high school age, you know, it, it got really bad to where I wanted to kill myself. And I remember one time I said to my um, father, I said, like, I want to kill myself. And, you know, I was raised in an evangelical family. And and he said, if you kill yourself, I won't go to your funeral because oh, it's a sin. Wow. But, you know, if, if you know anything about mental health, like these are cries for help. So, you know, I had one, I didn't get the help I needed. This is a, a louder mm-hmm. cry for help. Um, you know, I had another one where I was, you know, in the basement with a friend and I had threatened to drink Tide, but this is just cries for help from somebody that's, yes. you know, suffering. So I continued to suffer from depression, you know and anxiety throughout high school. And like my nickname was Angry Tony, because if you know anything mm-hmm. about anxiety and depression it, it, in men, especially, it often manifests itself yeah. in anger yeah, because you're frustrated yeah. with these feelings. You don't know what to do with them. Um, and I didn't get the therapy or medication or anything I needed until I was finally an adult. Uh, I was going into to college and I finally got on some antidepressants. Um, and then when I got into college, I went to cognitive behavioral therapy um, on mm-hmm. campus for some time. And that was helpful. You know, the medication was and has been up until, you know, about five years ago, a real challenge. I think anybody who's been on, on antidepressants can probably relate So a lot of times Mm -hmm. it doesn't necessarily like take away the depression, but it numbs it. Um, So you go from feeling down in a spiral to kind of feeling numb. Um, So then, you know, it wasn't. And again, going back, like I had good times in high school, like I had good friends. It's not always this like bad thing, but it's kind of that thing that's always there. And sometimes it gets really bad and you just Mm -hmm. don't want to be on this planet anymore. And that's a really tough thing. Um, so throughout college, you know, I, I didn't stick with therapy all the time and, um, I had, you know, bouts of where I wasn't on medication and stuff. And that continued. And then in my early twenties, you know, I, I was in the military for a long time. I got deployed. Uh, you know, I got married, had a kid. Um, and then there were times when I just like, wasn't the husband and father that I wanted to be. And I was in and out of therapy all my life for a good chunk of time. And, and there was times where medication made things worse. And, you know, I regret the things that i you know, said to my wife or done in front of my kids and like the, ang- you know, talking about the anger yeah. really um, being really bad. But it, finally, when I turned 30 um, and this, I'm 39 now, I was like, I really need to get this under control. So I called the VA and I went and um, I, I saw a psychiatrist. Uh, and then I want to make a point of this because one of the things I always talk about is persistence is really mm-hmm. important um and i did not like him right off the bat and you have to be your own advocate especially when it comes to mental health you have to find people that connect with you and that work with you and so i knew that it wasn't going to work so i said look you know this isn't going to work for me i need to see somebody else um and luckily i got a new psychiatrist and they put me on A different type of medication that was actually a mood stabilizer which made a world of difference for me Mm -hmm. Um, and then i went into like a more uh steady cognitive behavioral therapy progress but i loved my therapist um and i went as far as i could with her um and i got a little bit better but the anxiety which was a huge part of my life was still there Um, and there's a lot of other issues we could talk about but after going through that process eventually she made a recommendation and i went into a program that completely changed my life
1: wow So I know it's a long story. (laughs) You talked about anxiety. Um, You know, anxiety is a big thing. I I know that personally from my family. And how do you, how do you make that, that it doesn't prevent you from living your life, you know, being as productive, as happy, as being, doing what you want.
2: Absolutely. So that's, it's a great question. Um, And I didn't learn the answer to that until about five years ago. Mm. So the thing about cognitive therapy, it's great. And it works for a lot of people, but a lot of the basis in it is designed around trying to rewire your thoughts. Mm. And the way I try to explain it is, let's say you're having a thought about something and the idea is, well, put a stop sign up in your mind to try to change that thought. Well, I could never change my negative thoughts. They just came, kept coming up, um, and I always had a ton of anxiety about, you know, like fr- from the time that I was in like middle school, I always had this feeling that I would be homeless. I was just worried that I would never be able to make enough mm. money to take care of myself, and I always thought that I'd be homeless, and like had wow. all this anxiety around my career. Yeah. I-, I later found out that was because of the abandonment issues from being a child, yeah. and it took me a lot of time to figure out that's why that was manifesting that way. Yeah. Um, but my cognitive behavioral therapist, she said, you know. I really think you would benefit from something called acceptance and commitment therapy. And without going too far into it, it's, it's also kind of a cognitive behavioral therapy. It, it kind of falls under that bro, but it's different. You're not trying to get rid of your negative thoughts. You learn how to accept them and kind of be flexible psychologically to adapt to whatever situation comes up. And there's six core principles in ACT, and we can talk about some of them later on, but mm-hmm. to your question about how do you overcome the anxiety, The act part of that is really an amazing thing, and it it worked so well for me. And it's this idea of um, taking committed action that is connected with core values. So let me kind of give an explanation of what that is. And and this kind of is how you can kind of grow to become a confident entrepreneur, or like if you were like me, you had this idea and this desire to always do this thing, but you never Mm -hmm. had the confidence or ability to do it. So it's, it's baby steps and I'll be honest, yes. it's baby steps, but, but it, it's like compound interest. You know, it, it, it goes fast once you start doing it. So working through this program, it's like, okay, what is your core value? And there's different ways to identify that. And I actually have a tool that can help people do that. But, um, you know, one of the things is they'll ask you, you know, think about your funeral. What do you want people to say about you? And my mm-hmm. response immediately was, I want to be remembered as a good husband and father. Mm-hmm. so being a good husband and father has was a very strong core value to me so it's like okay now that you know your core value and that you can have more than one and there's you know different areas of life so you're going to have different values but that's the one I latched on to they're like okay now what committed action can you take towards that yeah. so it started with small things but one of the bigger ones was I signed my son up for soccer and it's a rec league and they were in dire need of coaches. Like they were sending like multiple emails. out, like, we really need a coach. Like we can't start the season. And I'm like, man, like I really want my son to play soccer, but I only played a little bit when I was a kid. Like, I don't, can I coach? Like, I don't know. But it was like, you know what? Like, I'm going to commit to do this because I love my kid and I want to be there for him. So I committed and I signed up to coach soccer. And I'll never forget, this was a couple, you know, a few years ago, the day of my first practice, I was literally almost having a panic attack because I was so anxious. Maybe not quite that far, but it, it felt like, Yeah, Almost if you're like standing high up on a ladder or like Mm -hmm. on the top of a building and you're like looking down and like kind of that feeling a little bit. Mm -hmm. And my wife was like almost like pissed at me because she's like, why are you doing this to yourself? You know, like, why would you agree to do this? And I said to her, because I have to, because it aligns so much with my core value that my desire to be a good father outweighed the anxiety that I was feeling at the time. And this mm. is a process that I call brute forcing your anxiety. So if mm. you if you've ever been in cybersecurity, brute force is where they crack a password really fast. You know, it's like a hard way of cracking it. But this is you brute force your anxiety, you connect to a value. So I did it. And then, you know, the first practice, like I got through it, and then I got through mm. a couple more. And then I actually ended up being a really good coach. In awesome. Fact, we didn't lose any games. We had one congratulations.
1: Tie. Yeah, we awesome. had one
2: tie. And now I'm in like my fifth season of coaching. Um But doing that little act, my confidence was just, like, grew tremendously. Like, things that I would never have thought to try in the past. Now, I'm like, oh, okay, like, no big deal. Like, for example, I'm not a handy person. And to be fair, I haven't really taken on these projects. But I used to have a ton of anxiety about, like, home projects or whatever. I'm like, no, I'll try it. Like, what's the worst that's going to happen? And, like, in all areas of my life, a lot of that anxiety kind of, like, melted away. And that's not to say I don't still have anxiety. Like, there's still ways that there's a difference between conquering anxiety and easing anxiety. Those are two different right. things right. and you have to use both. Um, but that's how I got over it. And once I did that, I was like, I can start a podcast. Like I can start a blog. I have the knowledge cause I have, you know, 15 years of digital marketing experience and stuff. I'm like, if these people can do it, I can do it. Yeah. So, so that's where that grew from.
1: Wow. And, and I will tell you that your son will be remembering the time that you spent with him.
2: I hope so. You know, Mm -hmm. and again, you know, part of that goes back to, you know, I learned the way to not do things. And so I try and I'm not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. Like I could always be a better father, but I always have that in the back of my mind trying to live up to that value. And I think that's another thing that's important to mention. I'm glad you brought that up Mm -hmm. is that you can latch onto your values and they can be powerful enough to propel you forward, but hold them loosely. Like you're not going to act in accordance with your values every single day of your life. It's kind mm-hmm. of like a compass or a mm-hmm. GPS, you know, yeah. as long as you're going yeah. to the end, like that's your journey, that's your destination. Um, And we can also kind of talk about goals too. And kind of the mm-hmm. difference between goals and like your journey. Cause I think that's something that people get wrong as well.
1: Yeah.
2: You know, you know, like and I'll just say, so like, With a goal, let's say that like your goal is, well, I want to run a marathon, right? Mm -hmm. Well, you could train for that and you could do that. And like one of two things could happen. You could quit before it starts. One of a lot of things could happen. You know, you could quit, you could injure yourself, you could give up, um, or you could actually achieve that goal. But then what happens when you achieve it? Well, it's like, oh, I want to run more marathons or I want to go further. And that's great. And that's a great thing to do. But what happens if you get in a car accident or something like that? Mm -hmm. When life derails you, it can really put you in a funk. And if you're so focused on goals and not values, then it's really, really hard to adapt to that. Because if you know, okay, my value is health and fitness, then, well, if you get in a car accident or something like that, you can find other ways to adapt to that problem. And it's not, oh my God, I can't run a marathon anymore. What am I gonna do with my life? It's okay, like I can't do this thing anymore, but I know my value is health and fitness, so how can I adapt?
1: Yeah, so good. You talked about this um, a little bit, you touched on it, but what exactly is the acceptance and commitment therapy and how is it different than the cognitive behavioral therapy you talked about?
2: Yeah. So it's basically kind of that, that principle I talked about where cognitive behavioral therapy is really about kind of rewiring your thoughts, Mm -hmm. you know, changing the way that you think about patterns Um, and acceptance and commitment therapy is, is just that. So like there's six core processes um, and I had them up because I don't remember exactly off the top of my head, but it's about um, psychological flexibility Mm -hmm. within those core processes. So like, for example, number one is like acceptance right so Mm -hmm. you have to allow yourself to experience anxiety or depression Mm -hmm. in a way where you allow it to be there and you're not trying to you know push it down so think of it like a balloon or a ball that you're trying to hold underwater and this is very true with like people that that have trauma or Mm -hmm. like any you know any sort of thing in your life You can do that for a while, but in some way, shape, or form, it is going to surface. And if Mm -hmm. you keep trying to hold on like that, it's probably not going to (sighs) surface in a way that you want it to. Exactly. Exactly. So number one is like, okay, like accept these feelings, but without connecting to them. And that's kind of number two, which is cognitive diffusion. So like when when you're accepting it, it's like, okay, I notice these feelings are showing up for me without Mm -hmm. saying like, Like I feel whatever it's, I notice the feeling of depression. I notice the feeling of sadness and this is like the cognitive diffusion part. So like, let's talk about anxious thoughts in that result. And this is kind of the second core process. Let's say you're having the thought, like, I'm not smart enough to be an entrepreneur, right? Um, You're telling yourself these negative things Mm -hmm. constantly. Well, you can try to flip that and it's, you can say instead of I'm not good enough, it's I'm having the thought that I'm not good enough
1: oh, so no.
2: like it's a it's a little bit different. it's a subtle distinction, but sometimes that can be enough of a separation
1: mm-hmm.
2: and there's other kind of there's a lot of different techniques within this so like like humor is one of them. so like let's just say you're having the thought like, man, I'm just a loser, like I'm just a loser. I, I don't know well, couple things you can do is like you can say it in a funny voice so like like cookie monster like i'm a loser when Mm -hmm. it takes power away from you i kind (laughs) of it's kind of like if you've ever seen or read harry potter yes uh, a boger you know where you turn it into something your biggest fear you turn it into something funny and i know it sounds silly but i'm telling you like it works works. it's Mm. it's tremendous it really works or like these things that you ruminate on like if you're constantly telling yourself you're not good enough or you're never going to be successful but say that's like something you're always telling yourself we we'll label it. That's like, tell your brain like, Oh, that's the, I'm not good enough story. So so when you put those two things together, acceptance, Oh, my brain is telling me it's the, I'm not good enough story again. And it's like, thank you, brain. I know you're trying to protect me because that's <laughs> what anxiety bye. does. Yeah. That's what anxiety does. Right. You're yeah. trying to protect, It's trying to protect you. That's your primitive brain, but I'm good. That's just the, I'm not good enough story. And I'm going to let it go. Yeah. And then like, as far as like letting it go, like there's other techniques too. Like imagine a negative thought as a leaf on a stream, like put the thought on a leaf and let it flow by. Or like for nice. me, I tr- try to imagine it as like a, an annoying pop-up ad, like on a <laughs> website, like just click out of it. You don't always have to engage with any of these things. You don't have to get rid of them. You just acknowledge it. Like I see you, but I'm mm-hmm. going to move on with my day or with right. whatever you're doing. And it's not that you, you should ignore these things, like take time, sit down, like let it be. Um, and then there's another principle that's called like self is context. Um, so it's a little bit of that cognitive diffusion thing, but it's kind of this idea of like your self as observer. And, and the most simplest way that I can explain that is if you've ever played or seen someone play a video game, they're controlling a character and like, you can see that character being controlled. The, con- the character is not controlling them. Right. Well, imagine like your mind is like that. So like your mind is kind of like a haywire GPS. And sometimes you have... Four signals going off at the same time, and you have to be like, no, 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 like take a step back. I'm in control here. Like mm-hmm. I'm not going to go right because there's no road right, so I'm going to keep going straight, even though you know your, that your GPS, brain, model, yes, right, you know, right, your brain's telling you to go that way. Uh, so that's it. And then there's the um, the uh, the values and committed action uh, portion of it, and I might be forgetting one, but um, like that's kind of the idea. And so like whenever different things crop up you can respond to it differently. Oh, the one I forgot was in a really important one is connection <laughs> to the present. So oh, a, a lot of people yeah. think of this, a lot of people think of this in terms of mindfulness, but like with act we they try to, they don't use the word mindfulness a lot because you know, it can be people can get caught up in what that means. Um but it's really simply just like learning to live in the present and that was a huge change in my life to like that's what really taught me to like enjoy life and if you want i could tell a quick little story about yeah how i did that yeah so like similar to the exercise with soccer you know like with the committed action Mm -hmm. it was okay like i want you to learn how to be connected to the present so let's try some mindfulness activities without meditation first and one of them was this idea of noticing so it's like going about your day and noticing like little moments of joy, little things that happen. And, and these don't have to be anything profound. Like it can be a great cup of coffee, mm-hmm. kiss from a loved one in the morning, hug from a kid, you know, whatever. It could be like a compliment from a stranger. It doesn't matter. It's just these uh, little things.
1: Oh, gorgeous blue sky.
2: Yeah, yeah great. I love that one. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm gonna use that in the future. Yeah, for one. sure. Yeah. Um, and it's just kind of like, you know, noticing these things. And so when I did that, it was Christmas time. And we were at like a family function and like somebody dressed up as Santa and came And My mm-hmm. son was a little at the time and like he sat on Santa's lap and so did my girls. And I just remember being in that moment and just like savoring it and enjoying it. And I was like, mm-hmm. wow, this is so, so powerful. And, and again, it's going back to what I was saying before that compounding effect. It's like once you see the power of some of these things, it can open up a whole new world. And so like, Mm -hmm. I grew from there and and did different mindfulness stuff. And now like, you know, I meditate every day. Like that's an important thing. And then especially like in the business world, you know, like, listen, everybody's been in a conversation that hasn't gone their way or, you know, something changes. Like, If you can step away, like once you build that muscle up, that ability Mm -hmm. to connect to the present, if you can step away for two minutes and do like just a two minute meditation, you can quickly calm down, be present and like navigate without all of the like, headiness of these intense yes. emotions mm-hmm. so these are like really really powerful tools that you can build in like what i call a psychological flexibility toolkit by starting out small throughout these different core these core well i guess they call them core processes but that's what yeah. they are.
1: so how can people ease their anxiety and depression um in you know, as you said it it comes up in lot li- everyday lives it It is that unexpected, but it's i guess expectation that that something could drop any minute. you know how how do we ease that depression? yeah
2: so I, well, to to get to being able to do that it does take practice in like some of these principles that we've already Mm -hmm. talked about, like you'll get better with it over time. And there's different techniques you can do. Like you can do some of the things that we talked about with like reframing your thoughts. That's the whatever story or whatever. But another really good one is this principle called dropping anchor. Um, and it, it, that's essentially just like connecting to the present moment. And I do this a lot. Mm-hmm. If I'm overwhelmed by something like, like most people, I think like change can be overwhelming. If there's a lot of changes mm-hmm. that are coming and you're not super comfortable with them or, or something is particularly overwhelming for you, I'll drop anchor in a couple of different ways. So like one way is just like, just stop what you're doing, find a quiet space, you know, whatever, you know, could be whatever room you're in and take a couple minutes and just notice what's going on around you. So maybe like notice five things in the room and then try to notice all the different sounds in the room and what you're doing it by that process. I know it sounds like it, this will never work. Right. But what it does is it grounds you in that moment. So instead mm-hmm. of like, cause anxiety, it's just like runaway thoughts. It's like going yeah, crazy. Your brain right. going it's like when you're trying to fall asleep and your brain won't shut up. It's the same kind of thing when you're overwhelmed, but probably magnified by 10. Mm -hmm. Well, the first thing you got to do to calm those emotions is you got to ground yourself Mm -hmm. in the present moment. So like, that's the first thing. If you develop, you know, a mindfulness practice, you know, it could be taking a mindful walk. It could be, you know, a five minute meditation, 10 minute meditation, Mm -hmm. whatever it is, like grounding yourself is number one. Number two is, it's like we talked about, it's that acceptance portion of it. It's noticing how is this showing up in my body? I notice my chest is tense. I notice Mm -hmm. my muscles are tense. I notice I'm breathing faster. I notice sadness or whatever, so it's labeling these things without connecting to them. Saying I'm sad, I'm angry, I'm tense. It's just kind of taking a mental note of those things, and then again doing those that cognitive diffusion piece of it, which is like not connecting to these thoughts and and things. Um, But you know, like I said, it's it's not an instant thing. It, It takes practice, but it's very very effective to do it, and it's not like you're not going to get rid of anxiety. Honestly, I've never met anybody that can get rid of anxiety, but that's why it's called like, you can ease it. Like you can disconnect from it a little bit. You can kind of be more, maybe rational is not the right word, but you're not so tangled up in it. And it's not mm-hmm. like, have you ever seen the movie Um soul? It's a Disney movie. Uh, and It's like an awesome
1: end, movie. Yeah.
2: yeah. It's I'm telling you, Pixar, awesome they're all act therapy people because so many of their movies have this in it, but Uh, Towards the end of the movie, uh, the main character, she's like clouded by like these dark emotions and things going over. So when you ground yourself and you do this like cognitive diffusion and like these mindfulness things, it kind of lets that float away a little bit. And then you're able to think a little bit more calmly, a little bit more, you know, cleanly. Mm -hmm. And you can then figure out, okay, well, what am I want to do with this based on my values? You know, like you can connect to values and make decisions and action in your life. And that's kind of like the long and short of it all.
1: Wow, it is. This uh, time has flown by, and gosh, so much more that we could talk about. It's been great. It's time, though, for a rapid fire.
2: Okay, <laughs> now I'm nervous. There goes the anxiety. No, <laughs>
1: no, no, no need to be nervous. So, talk to us about burnout first aid. Burnout first aid, what is that
2: and how does it work? So burnout first aid is a concept that I kind of stumbled upon when I was backpacking. Um, Before I went backpacking for the first time, a couple of weeks before, I went on vacation to a beach with my family. And after that week of vacation, I was still burnout. Like I was still stressed out. I didn't Mm -hmm. get what I need. And I think a lot of people can relate to this. Like you go on vacation, you come back, but you're still (laughs) just like, ah, it wasn't enough. But then I went backpacking for literally, it was like two nights in the Allegheny National Forest with my brother. And when you go backpacking, you have absolutely no, well, depending on where you go, you have no cell service. So I had no cell service. And the funny thing about it was like the, the one day it was literally pouring down, like I'm talking like torrential downpour all day, but I was in the best mood ever because all I had to do was focus on moving forward and staying alive and no. eating and sleeping. And like, that's kind of like the core of what being a human is. Like, those are kind of yeah. your core like needs. And after that weekend, we finally were like coming back into a cell service zone. And my phone just like was going ding, 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 <laughs> ding, ding, ding. And I was like, oh my God, is that what I'm dealing with all the time? No wonder I'm so burnt out. And so I wrote a blog post about it and I kind of came up with a way to kind of replicate that in your own life. Like if you're into outdoors and nature, you know, go do that, like, and get out of a cell phone Mm -hmm. zone. But if you're not, you know, I would say at the very least set aside a weekend where, you know, number one, get like turn your phone off. Most people can't do it. Get a lockbox. And put your phone in a box. And before you do it, you know, have a have a backup way to contact emergency services if something happens. Nothing probably will, but just for safety's sake. But you know, get a box that locks um, that you can't open and has a timer on it. So put your phone away. Plan out some activities that are kind of going to be calming and mindful. So, like I would say, like disconnect your your um, internet. You know, disconnect your phone. Let work or whoever you need to know know, like, hey, like I am going to be off the grid this weekend. You will not be able to get a hold of me. And then plan activities that are like enriching. So, like go for a walk, get a little bit of exercise, play some board games with some loved ones, you know. I say, like, even you can play a video game, just make sure it's not like Call of Duty, play like Animal Crossing <laughs> or something like that. Um, you can even watch a movie if you pick one that's like appropriate for what you're trying to do. So something like Inside Out or Soul, or there's this amazing movie called About Time. Um, that's great. But once that's done, turn your internet back off. Um, And you can even have like a friend or a loved one with you, but make them follow the rules. They don't have to lock their phone up, but put it in another room. And I'm telling you, I know it sounds hard, but if you do this for two or three days, you will feel immense relief from the burnout. Mm -hmm. But I call it first aid because I have to be honest, it's not going to go away. If you're mm-hmm. in a situation with work or whatever that's causing you burnout and that situation is does not change, those feelings are going to increase again. But it is a reprieve from that. It's a breath yeah. of fresh air.
1: For me, it was to go to the beach in October when there was no, oh, that nice. no folks there and I, by myself, you know, not with my husband or anybody. It was, and it was just for that to regroup. But I also am... Um, Cruises help because I'm too cheap to pay for the internet there. So oh, for, yeah. for five, seven days, uh, I'm not connected with anything. The thing yet. about a
2: cruise that I think might be problematic though, is other people can be a negative factor at times. Yeah. yeah. Well, so you never know who you're going to get there.
1: If you, yeah, if you, if you don't know anyone, <laughs> that's helpful. <laughs> and, and I do, I like to do the excursions cause you know, again, you get to um, push yourself out into uh like I like to just swim with dolphins and things that. Like sounds that sounds amazing.
2: Yeah. yeah. Any of those types of activities where you can kind of just connect to the present, connect with nature, even like running an Airbnb or a cabin, like in a no cell phone service area would be tremendous for mm-hmm. your mental health.
1: So talk to us about um, what is your bucket list now? You've done so many things.
2: Hmm. that's such a good question so i well the one thing on my bucket list i'll probably never do because my wife is like you're not leaving for six months but um mm-hmm. one of so like one of my core values another core value is adventure um and i love hiking and backpacking so i would love to go hike the pacific crest trail oh um, nice six months to do it it's probably not going to happen i may probably end up like doing like the john muir trail that's only like 30 days um or doing like a week or two here or there but i would say like probably more realistically would be um eventually I would like to do a remote work RV around for a year or two, like adventure type thing. Um, You know, I think a lot of times, like we think about, oh, when I retire, I can do all these things. And like, I'm only 39, but it's like, I don't want to wait until I'm 57, 60 years old to do those things. You know, like, I, I don't know if I'm going to make it that far. You never know what could happen, Mm -hmm. you know? So like, you know, I want to, do those things but yeah I, I think like more importantly to me is like that that core value of adventure and like as long as I'm living up to that then I think that I'll find joy in my life and that's kind of the more important thing to me
1: I, I will suggest to you that you do that RV trip now um uh, my father worked for the post office and he um took off two weeks um, usually but for one summer we took four weeks off from He oh, took nice. four weeks off from work and we went from Pittsburgh to California and back to go in the, the southern part of the U.S. and the northern part of the U.S. and it's a trip as a kid that I'll never forget the good the bad the ugly everything yeah but it was just a time um, where you know, you just got to appreciate where we live and this country and things, um, that you just don't see in your hometown. And, and yeah, so,
2: absolutely. so
1: yeah. I would recommend that your kids will love you for it. And, uh,
2: you're we're about, great. yeah, we're about to buy one. Um, We're going to start taking more like weekend type things. And then we might take a little bit longer over the summer. My wife is, does, is not a remote worker, so it's a little bit more challenging. But we did talk about my oldest is 15 years old. And when she goes off, we might do like a year in the RV, which would be great. But I want to touch on something you said that I thought was so great. You said the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I think like that's an important thing to remember, right? Mm-hmm. Is like no matter what you're doing, whether it's a vacation or an RV trip or whatever, not everything is going to be perfect yeah. all the time like <laughs> things are going to be bad and i think that's where i go back to this idea of like noticing or you know probably easier to call it gratitude like yeah if every day like i do this with my kids sometimes i'll say like what what was the best part of your day and the funny mm-hmm. thing is if you're having a pretty can i swear yeah you can if you're having a shitty day <laughs> and you're like what was the best part of my day and you're forced to think about that you're like it could be like oh well like um I didn't hit any red lights on the way to, to into work today or whatever, you know, like it's this <laughs> tiny little thing, but it forces you to think about something positive, you know, cause life is not mm-hmm. always going to be perfect. You're not always going to be happy. Cause like happiness is an emotion like any other. And it's part of the beautiful tapestry of life. So when you learn to connect with the present and have gratitude and all these things, those are the things, the human experience that makes up a joyous life. Yeah.
1: I think that's why, you know, either either having your phone, the last thing you look at on your phone or the the first thing um, is an affirmation of that you, you know, that you are achieving this and, and your goals and whatnot. But but yeah, also having cool. a gratitude journal where, you know, even if it's you know on your phone in your notebook or something, but but just to to force yourself every day to build that habit of Being thoughtful to say, you know, that you did, you you start to notice because you want to put something in there that was great. And so all of a sudden, the little things, just as you said, are, are something to be grateful for.
2: Yeah. And there's like all these little different techniques that you could do. Like, you know, some people like journaling, like there's like, I wrote a post about um,
1: mm-hmm.
2: how to create a routine for mental health. And it's like, you know, there's something out there for everyone. I don't really journal a lot because it feels like homework to me, but I, like, I definitely see the value of it. So I do other things, you know, like I'll do like the grateful five. So I'll be like, okay, time for a grateful five. And I'll just name five things that I'm grateful for. It's just, and you build that into your routine and then it becomes second nature. And like, when you do these little things, they compound and they get better. And if you make it a part of your daily life then you become much more resilient to mm. everything that life's going to throw at you
1: one of uh, my mentors is darren hardy and he gives a five to six minute um, daily video that he emails to us and it's always positive it's always guidance but it's only five minutes mm. and and i think a lot of times as entrepreneurs we we have all these great things and we want to have some big event or and whatnot. And it's like, but all you need to do is record it and share it with your audience. Five minutes, you know, five minutes of your day.
2: Yeah. Little things do add up for sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. The entrepreneurship thing, like that portion is like interesting because even if you're not somebody that deals with mental illness or like has regular or, you know, like a lot of anxiety, those things are going to come up throughout your journey. And like, I'm not, some hugely successful entrepreneur. Like I'm still very much like in a lot of the beginning stages of it, but I'm not like a baby, baby beginner. I, you know, that th- the story I told about soccer, like that's what opened up the confidence to be able to go and yeah. say like, you know what, I've had this idea for so long. I want to do this and put this thing into the world. Um, And like, that was a huge hurdle to get over that. And then it compounds, then you go into like, you'll have times where you doubt yourself. So like I said, like I have many, many years of marketing experience. And it's like, I know this stuff, but I'm still (laughs) trying to learn every day. And it's like, you're like, okay, I know the way to do this is so unsteady, but I've been doing this for eight months now. Why am I not making a bunch of money? Like, what is the shortcut? Even though I know there's no shortcut, right? Or you second guess guess yourself. So like, I think, you know, building these these ideas of gratitude and and grounding yourself in the present and not, especially as an entrepreneur, if you're so focused on like the present, that's why so many people give up within the first year. And so it usually, like everybody that I've talked to that's been very successful, at least in like, with like content, it takes two or three years before like yeah. it's, and they'll show you like this curve, like of, like a metric, for example, like it'll be like year one, year two, and it's like a flat line. And then suddenly year three, it's like, boom, it goes up, but it's like, I wish I'm glad I didn't quit here. Like I yeah, just one exactly. part and so many people don't make it past that. And I think like, if you can learn this psychological flexibility and resiliency, then it can help catapult you like past those things. And and the one thing that I'll say too is another quick story. I'll make this one really quick. Um, I like to look at other people and be like, well, if they can do it. I can do it. And I I first learned that. When I joined the army, I was 17 years old. I joined the army reserve, and I was going to my unit like before I went off to boot camp. And like you know, like any population, you have people that are squared away and people that are not. And I was anxious about going to boot camp. And like one of the like senior people was like, "Don't even worry about it. Look at Private Snuffy, and that's not their name, but you know, <laughs> look at them. Like if they can go through it, you can do it." And I'm like, yeah. I look at him, I'm like
1: yeah Yeah, they can do it i could
2: go through it or whatever so like if you think about some of the people that you know in your life and they're like well they did it or whatever i'm you know not to be like uh, braggy or whatever i I think a lot of people that have high intelligence are very um what's the word Uh, not boastful about it you know they're humble you know i you know i try to be humble about it but i'm like if they can do like i'm smart enough to do it and and that's kind of another way to kind of think about how to get past that sort of thing and it takes Mm. all these things working in conjunction to really get that train moving and start working towards success
1: and and i like to interview people that have anxiety and depression and things like that that they've overcome because as entrepreneurs especially women entrepreneurs we have all these imposter syndrome feelings and and the you know for so long we always we're behind second guessing everything that we did. yeah. And so I'd like for the tools and, and the tips that you have learned to be there. To, anyone can apply these, as you said, Absolutely. everyone faces anxiety. Everyone faces these challenges. It's just maybe at a different degree, but the tools that you share help any degree.
2: Yeah. I I think they are. Yeah. They're helpful. And I would say like, hopefully you have somebody in your life that's a good friend that can be a cheerleader. And if you don't, I I mean, like, even if you do, I'll never forget something that my um, sister-in-law said to me one day when I was being particularly negative about myself and she looked at me dead on and she said, be nice to my friend, Tony. And that really sunk in with me. I was like, Oh my God. Like I wouldn't talk to anybody else like that. Yeah. (laughs) Why am I so hard on myself? So like, loving kindness goes really, really far. And like, to your point about, you know, women's struggles, like my wife is like such the story of success. I am so in awe of this woman. You know, she gave up everything to stay home with our kids for so many years. And then I got laid off once and without even being prompted, she's just, she got a job like at Target of all places. And she's just like, well, I'm going to bring in some money or whatever. Like you're laid off. You can like help with the kids and and cook and stuff. And I had to learn how to cook and help with the kids. And she, but the thing about my wife is she is so tenacious. It doesn't matter what she's doing. She gives it 110%. So she was practically running that place by the time she went and she was so good at it that uh, one of her regulars offered her a job at like a senior living place as a receptionist. And within a year, she was the director of sales at that place doing phenomenal And then like, she had gotten laid off there. And that was a huge hit to her confidence because you have to understand. Yeah, for sure. She built that up and she got hit with this like shock of like, oh, well, maybe this won't happen again because she doesn't have a degree. Mm -hmm. And and she was doubting herself. And I was like, no, like you've got this, you've got the skill. And there was a job and it said like requires, you know, five years of experience. And she only had like two or whatever. And I was like, no, you should apply for that job. And she's like, no, they'll never do it. And I'm like, I'm like, no, apply for that job. And she did. And within 30 minutes, they called her and then they hired her. And long story short, she's a badass B now. And she's like the most confident woman and makes more money than me. And I'm so proud of her. And it's just a testament to like what a little bit can do. And if you latch onto that and you stay vigilant with like your mental health routine and all these things, like you can go so far in this life.
1: Absolutely. Well, it is time for me to warn everyone that's just listening to grab a pencil and paper. I'm going to share my screen and I will tell you what the website is where you can get in touch with Tony. So he is at notquitezen.co, notquitezen.co. He's on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter at just look up notquitezen or also just Um, search from his name you'll most likely be able to find him as well and I'm going to let him talk to you about what he has on his website
2: yeah you can just google not quite zen or if you want the podcast you can really search for that anywhere you listen to podcasts just search for not quite zen and and I would say like the big thing is i do a newsletter newsletter a newsletter once a week um and it's not just content for me it's like mental health content from the around the web and also like Mm. positive news stories because there's so much negative going on that you like need a jolt of positive so i would say like go to my website it's right there when you like log in right there you know put in your email i think i only ask for email i don't i don't even know if i ask for anything maybe i do but Anyway, you'll get the newsletter once a week, and it'll tell you anytime there's a new podcast or news post for me. But it's really just kind of a roundup of this mental health stuff. And you know, I've got some things planned for the future. I am going to start doing probably either you know an online course with a group coaching component to this ACT therapy thing. Um, but really, even if that's not for you, I, I share other resources that are free, um, and I and I go over these principles all the time on my podcast and in my blog.
1: Awesome. So when you get to that course already, let me know. I'll be back on, and we can talk about it.
2: Yeah, that would be great. Awesome.
1: awesome. Well, thank you so much for being such a great guest. You you shared so many important things that um, I think the audience will really be able to benefit from, and um, it's great hearing your stories and and I, I appreciate your being vulnerable to telling us those things about you because it really helps people connect. And be able to see themselves in your story, and and that's where the difference happens. So great job!
2: Yeah, thank you. Yeah, that's why that's why I do it. And also, like from an just from a perspective of like a budding entrepreneur, I would say like community is so important. Yeah. Um, so if you're a newbie entrepreneur, or even if you've been doing it for a long time, like reach out to me, send me an email. Like I'd love to talk with you. You know, I'd love to be a part of the community because like. The stronger, the more we lean on each other and learn from yeah. each other, like the stronger that we'll be and we'll grow.
1: So true. So, as I tell everyone, until next time, please remember life is a journey and it's up to you to enjoy the ride. This is Vicki Netling signing off.
0: Thank you for tuning into the Find Your Leadership Confidence podcast with Vicki Netling